0: what a wonderful blessing it is and uh, again i just want to celebrate uh, the blessing and the, the blessed knowledge that the best is yet to come uh, in all your lives if if you're aligning your life with god if you're aligning your lives with the word of god i can absolutely assure you based on the authority of this word that the best is yet to come in 1972 nasa launched a space probe called Pioneer 10. And Pioneer 10's primary message, primary mission, was to reach the planet Jupiter, to photograph it and its moons, and then beam all that data that it collected back to Earth. Scientists said that this was a very bold plan, because up until then, there had been no satellites that had gone beyond the planet Mars. And so they feared that the asteroid belt that was between uh, Earth and Jupiter uh, was going to totally destroy the satellite before it even got to Jupiter. But Pioneer 10 accomplished its mission and much, much more. In November of 1973, it flew past the planet Jupiter and continued its uh, journey to the edge of the solar system. At 1 billion miles from the sun, Pioneer 10 passed by the planet Saturn. At some 2 billion miles from the sun, Pioneer 10 hurtled past the planet Uranus. Then passed Neptune at nearly 3 billion miles from the sun. And finally, it passed by Pluto at over four. Billion miles for the sun. By 1997, 25 years after Pioneer 10 was launched, it was more than six billion with a B miles from the sun, and it was still sending signals back to Earth. And then on January the 23rd, 2003, even at 10 billion miles. From the sun, when radio communications had been lost, Pioneer 10 continued its quest, leaving our solar system and venturing on to wander in deep space. And it continues on even to this day. Space engineer Leon Jeroff says, Perhaps the most remarkable is the fact that Pioneer signals came from a tiny 8-watt transmitter that generates about as much power as a bedroom nightlight. Called the little satellite that could. The little satellite that could was not qualified to do what it did. Engineers designed it to last three years at best. But it kept going and it kept going and it kept going. Its tiny eight watt transmitter accomplished more than anyone ever dreamed possible. This morning, I want to tell you that it is the same when we offer ourselves to Almighty God. God can work even through someone with eight watt abilities. Amen, you ever felt like that? I can't do nothing. I got eight watt abilities. But God cannot work. God cannot work through somebody who gives up and quits. And so God reminds us that he has a plan. He's got a plan for us, and his plan includes the fact that the best is yet to come. For decades now, Countless people of God have been praying for revival. But unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know that revival has not occurred. You know that little revival has occurred as a result of their prayers. So I ask myself, what is the problem? Why isn't revival happening? Why aren't people being spiritually awakened Why is there no spiritual renewal? What is it that for the most part, America and its churches have not seen an extraordinary move of God? Why is it that God's people have not been more effective in changing and influencing the world we live in? I mean, what is the deal? Why aren't people surrendering their lives to Jesus by the thousands? Could it be that God's people have been substituting praying for obeying? I mean, to pray for revival... While ignoring God's plan is to waste your words and get nothing in in return. Prayer is not effective when it's used as a substitute for obedience. Now last week, God shared his plan for spiritual awakening. He shared his plan for revival in America and all over the world. And we learned last week that after 48 long years of captivity and slavery in a land that hated them, God's people were finally permitted to return to their homeland. But only 16% of God's people returned. The rest of the people chose to stay in bondage. Does that sound familiar to you? It sounds an awful lot like America's churches today. Only a small portion really want all that God has to offer. But those that returned immediately began rebuilding the temple of God. And within two months of being home, and for 16 years thereafter they quit they quit building the house of god but instead of sending judgment god sent a plan instead of judging his people god sent a plan of rescue he sent a plan of spiritual awakening he sent a plan for revival and we talked about that last week the first thing that we learned was is that God's people have got to eliminate their excuses. Does anybody remember what Billy Sunday said? An excuse is? Anybody remember that? The skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. That's an excuse. I mean, think about it. We spend all kinds of money. We spend all kinds of time We spend all kinds of effort. We spend all kinds of resources building our own houses. Meanwhile, God's house is unfinished. Can I tell you this morning that this house is unfinished? The body of Christ is incomplete. God still wants to add more to the family. He wants to add more to the body. God's house is unfinished. It's been said that perhaps the greatest ability that one person can have is dependability. Dependability. But sadly, potential builders of God's house often excuse themselves. And instead of saying, here I am, Lord, send me, we say, here I am, Lord, send somebody else. Can I tell you, friend, that excuses are nauseating to God? So we need to eliminate our excuses if we want revival to occur. But secondly, we learned that we also need to evaluate our priorities. If you're honest with yourself, are first things first? If you're honest with yourself, is God number one? God is, is able to use you, but is he able to use you to impact the lives of lost people? Is God able to use you as an example to backslidden Christians? He wants to, but for that to occur, you've got to make him number one. We also learned that we need to accelerate our involvement. There's only one commander-in-chief. Amen. And that's God. And he calls, our commander-in-chief calls us all as believers to be involved in building his kingdom. He calls us to do that. He calls us to be involved in kingdom work. God is pleased. God receives praise, friend, when you are involved in his kingdom work. Wow. But lastly, we agreed that We need to appreciate God's presence. God promises us his power. God promises us his presence when we work together to build his house. So let us not be guilty of substituting praying for obeying. God sent a plan for revival. And if we follow it, guess what? The best is yet to come. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2. Now, it's on page 832 on the Bibles in front of you, if you want to use those. Page 832. Just a little short, short book from one of the minor prophets who's got a major life lesson, amen. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 1, follow along with me. In the seventh month on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord, the word of who? The, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shekel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw the temple, or God's house, in its former glory? And how do you see it Now? Halfway built. In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Verse 4, yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I shall shake heaven and earth and the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple, I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. Father, thank you that the glory of the latter temple will be far greater than the former. Lord, we know and we hear from your word today that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name we all do pray and all God's people said, hallelujah, friend. You know, God has called you and God has called myself to a great work here at Bethel. We should be excited about that. But I want to tell you that the greatest days we have are truly ahead of us as we collectively do what we're called to do. Wonderful things. But, you know, starting the work is one thing. Back in 1909, a group of believers started this work here at Bethel. Starting the work is one thing. Continuing the work is quite another. Amen. So God gives us some some insights today and I pray that uh, these ring true not only as we're building the house of God, but that they'll ring true in your life too. Because the the Bible says that God's temple is the body. So you are building a body. You are building a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you need to be building your life according to these encouragements today. Today, God gives some encouragements to continue building God's house. First of which is this. Don't get discouraged. The best is yet to come. Amen? Discouragement means you've lost courage. Discouragement means you've lost confidence. You've lost hope. You've become overwhelmed. And you've lost heart. You know, if if you're discouraged, the easiest thing for you to do is quit. If you're discouraged, the easiest thing you can do is stop doing what God told you to do. But he wants to encourage us. He doesn't want us to be discouraged. Discouragement says, what's the use of trying anymore? Discouragement says, isn't it time just to give up and quit trying? Israel was facing that kind of discouragement. Look again in uh, the first first verse of chapter two. In that seventh month, twenty first day, the word of God came. God speaking here in verse two, He says, "Speak now to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and to the remnant of the people." And look what He says: Who's left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? back when the temple was built of gold and marble and it was a, a glorious sight to behold and it and it resonated with the presence of God who saw that in its former glory and how do you see it now all you see now is an old foundation with rubble all around the temple is in comparison with the former is this not in your eyes like nothing Friend, even though your life may not be all that it's called, to, you've been called to be. I want to encourage you. I want don't want you to be discouraged, but encouraged. Because when compared with the glory of Solomon's temple, the temple they were building seemed like nothing. It seemed like nothing. They were dis, they were discouraged. They were disappointed with their efforts, and they were saying, "Oh, would the temple that 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 presence of God, that symbol of God's presence." Would it ever be glorious again? Maybe you're thinking that about your own life. You know, will I ever walk in that intimacy with God that he desires ever again? Or will I continue walking in distance? But what caused the people to be so discouraged? What caused them to be wanting to quit? Well, the people had the wrong perspective. They were looking at that temple from the wrong perspective. They were focusing on the good old days, amen? But God wanted to build something new. Same thing in your life. You can't look at the good old days. You need to look at the new things that God wants to build in your life. He wants to do something new. But often we make the same mistake. We do. Our perspective is wrong. And instead of looking forward, we look backward. Rather than having the faith to move forward, what do we do? We become discouraged and we get stuck in the past. What God has or hasn't done in our past. But God doesn't want us to live there. He doesn't want us to live in the past. He doesn't want us to resurrect the good old days. He wants us to look ahead for even better days. There are great things coming for you if you'll follow God's plan. He's got a plan. And he wants the very best for you, not just good, not just better. He wants the best, and he says the best is yet to come. You know, so we can't get discouraged. We can't get discouraged. If we're going to move forward, we must follow God's plan. How do we do that? We eliminate excuses. Amen? We evaluate our priorities. We accelerate our involvement in God's kingdom work, and we appreciate God's presence everywhere we are. And whatever you do, don't get discouraged. Have the right perspective. But there's something else that I see here, and that is this. Whatever you do, don't diminish your devotion. Why? Because the best is yet to come. Don't diminish your devotion. The best is yet to come. If discouragement is loss of courage, if discouragement is loss of strength, loss of hope, then what I need is I need me a good dose of encouragement. I need to be strengthened. I need to be helped. I need more courage. I need to be filled with courage and hope. I need to be strengthened in my very core, my heart. But how do I get that? I mean, where does something like that come from? Well, let's take a look in there in verse four. God said, "Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel," says the Lord, "and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people." He's talking to you, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And get this, ready, here it comes. And work. Serve the Lord, amen? For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Now I know and you know that we can't just muster up encouragement. We can't just muster up strength. We can't just muster up the help that we need. Encouragement only comes from somebody who's already got it. Amen? Encouragement comes from someone who already possesses the strength and the hope we need. So what do we do? Well, it's God. Amen? It's God that gives you the strength. It's God that gives you the hope. It's God that will give you courage to face what's coming your way. Three times the Lord tells his people, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. But how can discouraged people be strong? It's tough sometimes when you're down to be strong. What do I do? Do I just strengthen myself? Do I pull myself up by my own bootstraps? No, that's not what we do. God said it. He said be strong and work. Be strong and serve the Lord. Whether you got courage or whether you don't. Whether you need help or whether you don't. Whether you're hard pressed or whether you're not. Continue to be strong and work, serve the Lord, for I am with you, says the Lord. Now, that little word for is the key in that sentence. That word for in this context means because of. So if we reworded what God said there, he said, be strong and work because of the fact that I'm with you. You're not doing this alone. A lot of times that's where discouragement comes from. When we think we're all alone. Oh, ain't nobody helping me with the work of the Lord. I'm doing this all by myself. Woe is me. Let me have a pity party. Woe is me. But we need to know that God is with us. No matter where we're doing His work. So let us understand that that doing God's work can never be accomplished in human energy. God's work can only be accomplished by the power of the Spirit of God. And God promised there His Spirit would remain among them as they served the Lord, doing what they had been called to do. You know, the weaker you feel, the deeper your devotion ought to go. The weaker you feel, the the more you ought to seek the Lord, the more you ought to be trying to do for His glory and for His name. The weaker you feel, the more you should look to God for strength. The weaker you are the more you need God. But we as human beings, we let pride well up in us and when we start feeling weak and we start feeling discouraged, what's the first thing we do? We hightail it. We go the opposite way than what God would have us to do. God says don't do that. Be strong and work because of the fact that I'm with you. He tells us that building his house ain't going to be done in human strength. It ain't happening. God's spirit provides the strength. God's spirit provides the power. You're just the tool. Amen? You're just the hammer. You're just the screwdriver. You're just the instrument. You're just the tool that God uses. He applies his strength through us as we build the house of the Lord. Now, there's a a third thing that I see there. Not only uh, don't get discouraged, not only don't diminish your devotion, but also delight in your destination. Why? Why? Because the best is yet to come. Delight in your destination. Let's look in verse 6 again. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and dry land, I will shake all nations, and they shall come. Well, that's good news right there. And they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver, mine, the gold, mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. God gave his people the courage they needed. He gave them the help they needed. He gave them the courage to complete the work he called them to do. Can I tell you, God will never fail to supply you the strength you need to do what he's called you to do. You just got to be strong and work. Be strong and serve the Lord for his glory. God changed their perspective. He opened their eyes to the reality of the glory that would come. See, all of this that we're doing today, all of this that we do for our children, all of this that we do in our ministries uh, to our community, all this that we do by visiting and, and outreach, it's all for the latter glory. It's all for God's glory and the latter part of his temple. Friends, we need to understand that the best is yet to come. This is an investment. We're just investing in the kingdom of God. The fruit and the glory comes later. What was God telling his people? He was telling his people, hey guys, the best is yet to come. Hang in there. Be strong. Keep working. Keep serving. The best is yet to come. And so the Israelites built this temple, and it was made of sticks and stones and gold and silver. Well, we don't build such temples now, do we? No. Today, the Spirit of God is building a temple. The Spirit of God is building a temple of flesh and blood, and it's got a heart, and it's got a soul, and it's got a voice, and it's got hands, and it's got feet, and it's got a desire to please God. That's the temple that God is building today. And I want to tell you that the latter is going to be far greater than the former. Great news. See, God wants each one of us to be like that Pioneer 10 satellite. Listen, just keep going. Just keep going. Don't get discouraged. Don't diminish your devotion. Keep going. Delight in your destination. Delight in your investment. Know what's coming. Don't quit. Keep going. It's a great big universe out there. And God wants us to use that little tiny bit of power that we got and put it in His awesome hands. He'll use that power for His glory. And the glory of the, of the latter temple is going to be far greater than the former. Friends, as we give ourselves to Him, He will use us in ways that we could never ever imagine the problem with a lot of believers is is they just won't surrender to him they just won't say i'm your instrument lord they won't say okay lord i want to be your tool they will not go there god just says be willing be willing to continue the work that god has called you to do Keep telling people about Jesus. Keep raising up godly children. Keep working on your marriage. Keep coming to church and building this house. Keep doing what God has told you to do. Stay in the ministry God's called you to do. And keep working. Keep serving. Be strong. Keep doing what I've called you to do. Because you know when you quit, God can't do nothing with you. But when you surrender to Him, when you surrender to Him, nothing is impossible. There is no telling what God is going to do in this church. No telling. But He can't do anything if we quit. So don't look back, friends. Because guess what? The best is yet to come. Say that with me. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know in John chapter 14 our Lord and Savior said let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God believe also in me. In my Father's house here we go. In my Father's house there are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. You see, yeah, praise God. Jesus is building a house too. Amen. And it's a house for the believer. Did you hear me, friends? It's a house for the believer. So what you need to ask yourself this morning is, is Jesus building a house for me? Is he preparing my place in heaven? The only way that occurs is when a human being places their faith in the Son of God and the finished work of the cross. And so today, we offer you an opportunity to make sure that you know that that place, that place is being prepared for you. Can I pray for you? Our Father in heaven, we Glory in the present temple, but Lord, we know that the glory of the latter is going to be far greater than the former. Lord, we look forward in exaltation and excitement about the work you're going to do in us as individuals.